Hey, everybody. Hello, folks. And welcome back to the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, but for ghosts. There it is. Got it this time. Um, Well, last week, we had a, a doozy of a mystery um, by Christina, and um, we were hanging out in, in New York City proper. Yes. In Manhattan. Harlem. Uh, and today, for the second time, I guess, I guess I my new thing is taking us out to the island. Yeah. But we're going back out to Long Island. Um, and before we do, I just want to say once again, thank you for everyone who's been who's been sending us their love and their support yes, for the thank new you. show. We are, I think, what, four or five episodes in at this point, and um, it's been really, really exciting. And uh, we love all the notes we've been getting and all the keep wishes. Them keep them coming. Um, to do that, you can head over to our social media. You can email us, or you can, what you should do, of all those things, is head over to the iTunes, drop us a five-star rating, and drop us a review. You get a, you get a prize once a month. Well, not you personally, but maybe you. You might get a prize. We pick month. it out. Right, at random. At random. <laughs> Um, so we're excited and, uh, we're, we're just so excited to, to get into it. And, um, the cool thing about so many of these episodes, I've said it on the show before is that, you know, if you live in New York, for the most part, you can go to most of these places. Yeah. Um, and today is no different. Today is a place that you can visit if you so choose. Um, question is, will they want to after this episode? Um, in theory, we'll get there. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about the 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 Seaford poltergeist. Ooh. Um and the poltergeist has a name and we're gonna get there later. I'm not gonna give it to you now because I, I I fear it's gonna be distracting. And I fear you're gonna try to like debunk why the name is the name and I don't want to tell okay. you it because right. you don't trust me, I see. I do not trust <laughs> you. I know you, you're my dear friend, and I do not trust it's that fair. for the next five minutes you'll be trying to debunk the story I'm going to tell or you. Or just like say the name a hundred times. Or you, actually, you will say it a yeah. hundred times. Get ready for Looking it. Looking forward. But the story takes place in Seaford, Long Island. Okay. Um, and our main our, our main character, well, there's a bunch of, it's a, it's a family. Okay. So family in the suburbs, kids, you know how it goes. You all been to the movies. Um, so James and Herman was born in the Bronx on March 17th, 1915. And he later moved to Seaford, Long Island with his wife, Lucille, and their mm. children, who were both named after their parents, so Lucille and James, respectively. Oh, okay. Um, James was also- Very James, wholesome. Yeah. Um, the son, James, was 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 uh, nicknamed Jimmy, so I'm always going to refer to him as Jimmy. Okay. So, to, to, to spare confusion. I don't think I mention younger Lucille a lot, but if I do, Lucille is mom, James is dad, Lucille younger- it will be the daughter. Lucy. Or, but her name isn't Lucy. I don't want to like fake right. it. But we can call her Lucy in theory. No, that's all right. We can call her Lucy or the um, younger. But Jimmy's always the son. I feel like I have to separate that now. Interesting. It's going to get confusing because I'm going to say names a bunch later. Like, what's, who's this and what's that? Right. Um. So uh, uh, Lucille and James, or Jimmy rather, they were 13 and 12, respectively. Okay. Uh, respectively? Respect, respectively. Mm-hmm. Um, James worked for Air France. He was also a veteran of World War II, hmm. serving as a sergeant in the 1st Division of the United States Marine Corps. He's a recipient of many re- awards, including the State of New York Distinguished Service Cross. Oh. Um, they're also um, devout Catholics, him and his wife. Lucille is a registered nurse. 
um, really solid, you know. An all-American family. You know, nuclear family. Um, you know, just how they wanted in the 50s. 2.5 kids. And uh, our, story, fence. our story takes place in 1958. So mm. it's quite literally yes. nuclear family time. <laughs> um, so Seaford, for those who don't know, is about 30 miles from New York City. And their home, the Herman home, was a beautiful white and green ranch style home at 1648 Redwood Path. I'm definitely not putting that directly into Google Maps right now. There it is. Uh, it was built in 1953, so new for the time, and contained three bedrooms, a bathroom, kitchen, small dining room, living room, basement. The basement was divided between uh, into a utility room and a playroom for the kids. Uh, it sat in a very quiet, conservative neighborhood with public parks, mm. tree-lined streets. It is literally, Christina, the first five minutes of every horror movie. Like, right. literally... Everything's perfect. Any minute the person with the chainsaw comes out. Well, you said it was a poltergeist. Yeah. We already know it's a poltergeist. Right. No worries. Never mind. Different um, episode. Literally. Um, so in the afternoon of Monday, February 3rd, 1958, at around 3.30, things in this pretty easy breezy home took a really odd turn. Mm. The kids get home from school and they go around there. They go about their normal routine uh, when all of a sudden we hear... Now, was it magnitude from community? No, it was not magnitude from community. <laughs> That's an insight. Pop, pop. Um, no. Randomly, bottles containing liquid in different rooms of the house started to pop their caps off. No bottles one, containing liquid, okay. No one saw the bottles move or explode, but the sounds were so clear. Pop, pop, pop. Everywhere around them. Um, the kids were a bit freaked. Yeah. As they would be, but not like freak dads and like, oh my God, I'm the ghost. They're just like, what is happening? What is that? Yeah. What does that sound? Because at first they didn't even know what it was. They just heard pops all around the house. Weird. How many uh, places do they keep vials of liquid? Well, you'll, we're going to get to okay. it. Okay. But you'll see. Like, you don't really. I, I guess there's a lot think of. Think about your house and think about where you put like bottles of stuff. That's true. All you right. You know? Um, so they worked around the house um, and they began to discover all the pop bottles. There was a open bottle of bleach in the basement mm. utility room. A bottle of liquid starch in the kitchen, multiple bottles of shampoo, and bottles of medicine in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. However, the most disturbing was a bottle of holy water that had been opened in the mm -hmm. master bedroom and was lying on its side with its contents spilled. I am such a scaredy cat. Um, I, I truly got chills when you said the holy water. Was, holy no, no. water. Um, all of the bottles had been sealed with a twist-off uh, metal or plastic caps. It's, the it's 1958, so everything is like, you know, mm -hmm. twisted and real stuff. It's not right. like easy-peasy these days. Um, and um, there were no corks, no snaps, no caps, all twisties. Oh. Um, however, these, um, however these came off, there was clearly some force behind it. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't a twist off. It was a pop off. Right. As one would. As one did. Um, now again, Lucille and the kids, they were rattled, but they were just more really confused, right? As you would be. Like, I don't know what happened here. Right. Like, my first assumption, if like all the bottles in my house popped open, I don't know if I'd immediately go to the paranormal. I'd be like, this is a strange occurrence. Um why did this happen? Like, I wouldn't be scared because I'm safe. I don't feel like anything's attacked me or anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, and that was, and that was the kind of sum of it when Lucio called uh, James at work, right? He calls, she calls James, tells him the situation and James like, this sounds odd. 
um, asks if anyone's hurt, and she's like, no, we're all fine. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, well, I'm going to stay here. If you're fine, I'm going to stay at work. Everything seems to be normal over there. Um, let me know if anything else happens, but I'll be home normal time for dinner. Right. Peace, peace. So he stays at work. On his ride back home on the LIRR, that's the Long Island Railroad for you non-New Yorkers, uh, James starts to think more about the strange call from his wife, right? He's like, something is causing this. I'm a smart man. Let me try to troubleshoot some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then halfway home, he realizes the solution to the mystery. <clears throat> he believes that some sort of chemical reaction in the products mm. had caused the bottles to blow. And the fact that they all blew at the same time was just merely a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So perhaps it had been caused by some sort of excessive humidity in the house. Okay. Uh, a quick temperature change. Um, he got home and started to explain this to Lucille. And as he was talking to her and looking at the bottles, he noticed the screw on tops, which throws the theory out. Because, right. you know, if you take a bottle that's screwed on and pull with all your might, it's not popping off unless something really hard pops it off. Like real pressure has to get that out. Um, So he realizes that his theory isn't true. Right. But nothing else happens that night. In fact, nothing else happens for two days. Okay. Then on Thursday, once again, the same time the kids come home, they come home, they go to the kitchen, Ready to get some after-school snacks? <laughs> Ready to get their gushers? Just kidding. They don't have gushers. In no, the it's the fifties. But God, gushers were so good. But they had something like, I not, don't know, what's a fifties snack? Probably something with fig in it, but not like fig Newton, like just like the most worst fig ever. I've never had a bad fig. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're having. White bread with <laughs> butter. Butter. <laughs> some lard. They're going to the kitchen for that white bread and that butter. <laughs> And um, as they do, uh, about a half dozen bottles pop their lids. Pop, pop, poppy, pop, 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 everywhere. Um, six bottles randomly. A bottle of nail polish bursts open. A bottle of rubbing alcohol bursts open. A bottle of bleach uh, detergent, starch. These are mo- all twist-offs again, aren't they? And most notably. No, don't say it, Adam. No. The holy water no. of Mrs. Herman's I hate that. dresser. Oh, I hate that. Once again, the holy water was popped open down to the side with all the holy water leaking all over the dresser. Well, if you haven't figured this out now, you need to go get your priest and do some blessings. Because yeah. now it's obvious. If this happened in your house, I would say, Adam, you need to use that holy water. Well, you're thinking like someone who is automatically thinking it's um, paranormal or the occult. Um but James, he's not that uh, thinker yet. Mm. He's a he's a Catholic man, but he's also a military vet, so he's conditioned to think with logic and strategy. Mm. Um, you know, he works a real dogged type. Yeah, you know, so he um, doesn't doesn't jump to 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 calling a priest. Right on Friday night, however, it happens again. <laughs> so James, is like, I have another solution. I figured it out. He believed that his science-loving son had somehow rigged the bottles to pop in order to scare his family. He believed that maybe his 12-year-old son (laughs) had planted some carbonated capsules in each of the bottles and timed it so that he can get home from school in time to see uh, them pop and to see the startled expression on, on his mom's face. 
no. I mean, it's not. It, again, as we always do in these shows, we, we we try to debunk. It's not unusual, but the fact it's not unusual for a kid to say, you know what? If I put just the right amount of carbon soda stuff. Well, I thought about that, and I thought to myself, back in the fifties, you know, when entertainment wasn't the way it was, and there were kids who loved science and would, you know, and apparently Jimmy excels in science. He likes it a lot. It, I don't think it's weird for him to have that thought. I think that that timing is stupid. Right. It's right. How are stupid. you going to time that? How much do you put in there that lasts an entire day? And and how much, like how many times did he have to practice this to get the timing right? Yeah. Without anyone noticing until now. So here's where the story gets really strange, but not in the way you think it's going to get strange. Oh, all right. Well, not yet at least. James spends the entire weekend Secretly observing Jimmy. <laughs> he spies on his son the entire weekend long. He's so convinced that Jimmy is behind the shenanigans and he wants to catch him in the act of tampering with bottles. Mm. Then on Sunday morning, February 9th, it happens again. So now this is we're at a full week, Monday to Sunday. Pop, 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 pop. Caps popped off the bottles with the starch. They popped off the turpentine, and they popped off the... No, not the holy water. On the holy water. How could this be? He was watching his son the whole weekend. Every step he took, just like Sting. (laughs) He was watching him. So James gets pissed. He, like, busts in the bathroom while Jimmy is brushing his teeth, like a big old jerk. Mm. Like a a big old fuck. (laughs) He walks in, he starts screaming at his kid, accusing him of rigging the bottles. He's like, look, it's... I." It's not funny anymore. Like, now it's really annoying and stupid. How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Enough. Like, you're startling your mom, especially with the holy water. It's not cool. Stop it. And, like, Jimmy's like, no, it's not me. He's denied it. And he's starting to get really emotional because his dad yeah. doesn't believe him, right? Then all of a sudden, a bottle of medicine moves across the top of the <gasps> in the bathroom. <sighs> then a bottle of shampoo slids across the sink and falls to the floor. James sees it happen. And then he pats his son down to find the invisible line that he's used to pull it across. You're so smart. Does he really? Yeah. He sees the bottles (laughs) fall, but he refuses to believe that any paranormal. So he starts to look everywhere in the bathroom for hidden wires or strings. He's like, I know you're doing this somehow. (laughs) And he finds nothing. Poor, poor Jimmy. What about what about little Seal the Younger? We don't find her in the story at all, except that she exists. This whole thing has been her. She's been the one that's I been know. like going around putting strings places. She's like the science, you know, know. maven. I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's clearly it's Lucille. Lucille. It's Lucille, little Lucille. So James is stumped. He decides to call the Nassau County Police Department. Lieutenant E. Uh, Lieutenant E. Richardson takes the call. And spends most of the conversation laughing. Um, James tries to to get him to believe, but Richardson just kind of starts getting angry and and begins to accuse uh, James of trying to play a practical joke on him. Mm. He says, I think you're bullshitting me or that you've had too much to drink, that this is not real. And maybe you're even maybe you're hallucinating, but this Mm. is not real. Richardson's about to hang up. But then there was something about James's voice. Something about how he was talking to him and, and, and almost like the hair of fright, perhaps, that was in his voice that he, he goes against his better judgment and he, 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 he thinks to himself, I know, James. 
I know his family. We're in, you know, it's Seaford's on a huge town. Right. Like the police officers, you know, you know each other. I know him. I know his family. People know him. They're good people. So against his better judgment, Richardson says, I'm going to send someone to investigate just to make you feel at ease. Right. So Officer James Hughes is sent to the house. He's very skeptic, of course. This is insane. You're sending a yeah. police officer to a house because bottles are popping. Right. This is not what the police is for. Um, well, he didn't feel that way for too long. <laughs> when he gets to the bathroom, all of a sudden, a bunch of bottles pop their lids. And they all fire in his direction. Yeek. Um, he dodges. Mm-hmm. And everyone's safe. But he is rattled as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so... With all this insanity happening before his very eyes, he goes back. He says, there's something happening in that house. I don't know what it is. Um, I think the family would would prefer if we sent someone to, to investigate further. Yeah. So with that, the case is given to Detective Joseph Tozy. Um, and Tozy, like everyone who starts this, this journey, doesn't believe in anything paranormal. Um, he doesn't think they're liars, but he believes that there's had to be some natural reason for the pops. Right. So on February 11th, Detective Tozy began his vigil at the Herman house. He's like, I'm camping out here. I'm figuring out what is happening and why it's happening. The same evening, a perfume uh, atomizer overturns and spills perfume in um, Lucille, the daughter's bedroom. Mm-hmm. There's no one in the room at the time, according to reports. Mm-hmm. Over the next few days, the disturbances seem to center around one specific bottle. No! The bottle of holy water. Every single time any bottle pops, some of them are random. The holy water is the only one consistently popping every single time. And Lucille, again, super Christian woman, continues to close it, put it back every time, no matter what. On several occasions, the lid of the holy water bottle popped off, and once, after hearing the distinctive sound, James dashes into the room, and he finds the bottle on the floor now. So the bottle kept falling sideways. Mm -hmm. This time it falls on the floor. And as James goes to pick up the bottle, he finds it to be warm to the touch. Eek! I know. Um, I hate that. Well, yeah. No one likes it. Um, maybe maybe the ghost just wants to bless himself and he's frustrated because he can't. I have no hands. Right. It's really hard. I just want to bless myself. <laughs> On um, February 15th, the activity takes uh, another turn. As the Herman children were watching television in the living room with, their, uh, with Marie Merther, their middle-aged second cousin, hmm. a porcelain figurine on the end table next to the couch begins to wiggle. And then it shoots two feet through the air, making a loud crashing sound as it lands on the floor. However, to the amazement of Miss Mirtha and the children, the figurine isn't broken. Oh. There's a disconnect in the sound. The sound clearly sounds like right. it shatters, but it's in one full piece. Nothing's broken at all. Interesting. So after that, James decides it's time to bring in the big guns. The priest. What do you do? When call the priest. Catholic. And you call the priest. Shit happens. Yes. You call the priests. It's about time. They contacted Father William McLeod of the Church of Saint William the Abbot for help. Father McLeod comes to the house and sprinkles holy water in each of the rooms. 
Unfortunately, Popper, as a poltergeist, becomes known as... Popper! Popper the poltergeist. Popper the poltergeist. Popper. He decides he don't want to leave. Well, he's clearly been trying to bless himself with the holy water this whole time, and it hasn't worked. I feel like you need to bring in, like, the bigger guns, which is, like... I don't know the holy oil and, and and the 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 what is it the Saint Benedict medals and the it's fine. So during the two weeks since Popper had made its first appearance in the Herman House, news of strange occurrences and happenings begins to leak to newspapers, radios, and television. Hmm. The story receives a great deal of publicity and even gets articles in Time and Life magazine. Wow. The Life article spans over eight pages. Now, they weren't like full pages. Yeah. Because, like, you know, there a lot of the articles are, I'm going to post on our social media because um, I found the article. And because, you know, like most of the, the Life uh, pages are ads. Right. With, with small slivers of the article. So it spans eight pages. Um, but it takes an in-depth look at what's happening. And, and a lot of it is basically what we're saying in summation. In addition to Time Life magazines, um, there's there's articles in the New York Daily News, <laughs> um, which talks about uh, which which first line says that Jane M. Herman's bottles flip their lids. <laughs> that um, is such a Daily News article. Yeah, um, the headline is "Find Mind Haunts L.I. House." <laughs> um, who or what made James M. Herman's bottles flip their lids? Hmm. Uh, and then it starts talking about some some stuff we haven't gotten into yet uh, at the top of it, um, but um, it actually is pretty pretty in depth. This Daily News article it, it talks um, about the sources. It talks about um, lie tests that also are administered because some hmm. people just think they're lying, um, and it talks about excluding the physical cause as well. Uh, in addition. There is an article in the tablet. Uh, for those who <laughs> don't know, the tablet is the official newspaper of the the, the, the Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, Queens. Um, and there's an article on March 8th, 1958, uh, with the headline of Unknown Force Causes Strange Seaford Events. Um, but because it's a Catholic newspaper, it's very... Um, Catholic? Yeah, they're not talking about ghosts or, or poltergeist or anything. They're just saying a priest went and everything was fine. Right. That sounds right. Um my favorite my favorite piece, however, is the um the last paragraph of the Life uh magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm gonna read a little excerpt from that. This is the last paragraph of the article that Life magazine uh wrote about the the incident. Quote One is left with assorted thoughts. Can the entire affair be an elaborate hoax? To take this view, one must question the honesty of Mr. and Mrs. Herman, which may be easy to do at a distance, but which seems impossible at first hands. Besides, there's Detective Tozy, a shrewd young man who reflects credit on Nassau County Police Force. If there is a hoax, the perpetrators are wasting their time. Instead of breaking crockery, they could very much profitably break the Chase Manhattan Bank and get away with it. One can say of the objects what Galileo said of the earth, e pur si muove. Nevertheless, it does move. How hmm. or why, no man yet knows. Oh, solid. That's a great end to the article. So if the, if the family thinks that 
uh, mopping up spills mm-hmm. and liquid and having their possessions broken by unseen force hands was bad. The onslaught of public attention oh. was far worse. Yeah. During the day, the Herman home was surrounded by reporters, photographers, curiosity seekers, and an astounding array of television equipment. While the Hermans managed to get used to these uh, intrusions into their lives, they weren't quite prepared for some of the strangeness that came with it. And we're going to talk about all the strangeness that comes with that, all the publicity, and like kind of the, the second half of this, this insane haunting after the break. Last we last we heard in the Harmon House, it's been crazy. It's been real bad. Popper has been popping. Popper, and that's your favorite. It's I did, so good. I said at the beginning, Popper. You said Popper seventeen times. I would have, and it also just like really like takes like defangs the the. It makes me feel better. You can't be afraid of someone named Popper. I could Popper the friendly ghost you know it's mm. no well I mean okay uh oh yeah the friendly nature of it starts to, to dilute a little bit uh-uh. um but as I said before the break getting haunted by a poltergeist is one thing having to deal with everyone trying to <laughs> to to get a piece of this haunting everybody is, watching you get haunted <laughs> is the worst so letters and phone calls came in every single day, and many of them proposed logical solutions, mm. while others assured the Hermans that perhaps Martians had landed nearby, or that the problem was that the house was the spirit of a long-dead Indian chief, or or that the Russians were tunneling under Long Island to invade New York. How far are we from Montauk? Um, is Seaford? Pretty far. Uh, I was going to... I was going to say that maybe there's a Montauk Project connection. Montauk's at the the, the entire other end of the island, and this mm. is this is the, the other. So no, no Montauk Project so No, no Montauk Project from two weeks. If you missed that episode, yeah, a little plug background. right there. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, they've heard everything. And also realize, what's the year, Christina? 1958. And what's happening in 1958? Cold fucking war. Exactly. We are we are afraid of the Russians. We are afraid of aliens. We are afraid of many things that I guess we're kind of still afraid of now. Yeah. Gosh, things don't change at all, do they? Yeah. Um, so, you know, people are, are thinking it's possibly aliens. They're thinking it's Russians. They get spies. Um, every... Uh, uh, they never turned anyone away and they always actively listened, which is like the sweetest Aww. thing. Like these two human beings and their kids like never like were, were, were mean to people. They always accepted everyone's solutions no matter how stupid they were. <laughs> and even people who would come to their house and, and shout repent or oh. who would call them at midnight and, 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 and tell them that the Sputniks are here, quote unquote. <laughs> um, so sometimes people were very friendly and sometimes people were very aggressive. However, in the face of all of that, the Hermans 
you know, stood tall and, you know, still dealt with it all. Many of the letters and visitors were were less easy to tolerate, however. Letters arrived in sometimes inintelligible scrawl condemning the Hermans for their sins, suggesting they had invited these, quote, tricks of Satan. Oh, good Lord. Ministers from all sorts of dubious faiths conducted rituals on the front lawn of their house. One man in a blue uh, serge suit Serge suit. It's a fabric. Serge. It's a fabric. Um, he claimed to be a holy man f- coming from um, Center Mariches, a uh, nearby town on Long Island. He knelt in the yard and prayed for 10 minutes straight. Hmm. Then he stood and announced, everything is all right. You have been forgiven. And to no one's surprise, mm. nothing changed. <laughs> Things are still happening. Um, right. But not all the suggestions and attempts were as bizarre. Um, in fact, some people really believe that there may be a lot of science, science behind this. Um, one man who came to the house was named Robert Zadare. He was a physicist from Long Island's Brookhaven National Laboratory. He brought a set of dousing rods with him and went all over the property with them. Electromagnetics. When he was finished, yeah, exactly, Christina, electromagnetics, for those who don't know. I wrote that down early on. Who don't know what, what those do. They pick up electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. Electromagnetic frequencies are common, right? Mm-hmm. So often when we're looking at uh, hauntings, um, we use devices, not we, but, you know, experts. The use, royal sort of we. Yeah, like <laughs> experts use devices to see if there's an electromagnetic field there. And usually um, if there is there... Um, stuff like that can cause paranoia. Mm-hmm. It can cause um, uh, electromagnetic phenomena. Yeah. It can cause many things that, you know, we are quickly to say is a haunting. Right. Um, so when when Zadir was finished, he stated that he believed that there are underground streams below the house. He thought that the water may be creating a freak magnetic field. Hmm. Detective Tozi examined the idea at length but a geological survey suggested that the information was inaccurate. Huh. So no water. Okay. Um, the water would not cause electromagnetic fields. Right. So that is debunked. All right. So much for that. I know. Tozy's case file just kept growing thicker and thicker with more notes and observations and research and facts. At one point, he had been walking down the basement stairs with young Jimmy when a bronze statue of a horse weighing nearly 100 pounds flew across the basement and hit the detective in the legs. Oh, no. Jimmy had been nowhere near the statue and no one else was down there. Uh, And with that, that was the first actual act of violence. I was going to say that taking a turn. Um... Now, in theory, you can say perhaps it was an accident that Popper didn't want it to hit because to this moment, no one, no one is injured. Also, you say to yourself as well that um, it always comes down to the meaning. If it is paranormal, what's the the meaning behind it? Mm -hmm. Is it attention? Um, But I think if anyone was going to be assaulted, it would be Tozy because Tozy is the one showing actual threat towards the existence of this Mm. as he continues to bring more people into the fold. Right. Um, Tozy had the idea that the occurrences could come from perhaps sonic booms. Um, on Long Island, where they're 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 again they're not too far from bases like the one in Montauk. Um, So with bases comes Air Force jets. Mm. So he checked with the Air Force, and after studying their flight planes, plans, 
they had told him that sonic booms from passing jets could not have caused the disturbances. Okay. He also ruled out radio waves by contacting the Radio Corporation of America, also known as RCA. Hmm. The Long Island Lighting Company had set up a delicate oscilloscope in the basement. Oscilloscope. That's a great word. I know, oscilloscope. Um, and it had detected no underground vibrations. Okay. Building inspectors from the town of Hempstead pronounced that the house structurally was sound. The Seaford Fire Department even inspected the well on the property to see if it changes the water level. The Seaford Fire Department even inspected a well on the property to see if changes in the water level could have been causing the disturbances. However, they found that the water level had been stable for at least five years. Huh. Everything they could do to debunk this, they did. Right. Tozy is literally the last person to believe in the paranormal and literally use every single one of his resources to find every single... And this becomes like a sensation. And now, granted, we're only in like... Early. This is a couple of weeks. This. Oh, really? This isn't huge. I thought we were like months into the. No. You know, from where we started. Oh. No. This. We're, we're still in February. We're. Oh, I appreciate the thoroughness and seriousness few, with which Tozy has taken. This. Yeah, we're only a few weeks in. This whole thing barely lasts a month. Right. Um. So, uh, among the letter sent to the house, among the letters sent to the house was one from a woman named Helen Connolly of Revere, Massachusetts. Helen wrote that she had experienced odd events in her living room, where chairs and furniture pieces moved about. She didn't have a ghost in her house, but rather a heavy downdraft through her fireplace. Mm. When caved with rotary metal turbine, the flying tables and chairs ceased to fly. Mm. James, filled with hope, immediately had one installed in his own chimney. However, nothing changed. No luck. No sooner than the workmen had completed the installation, a porcelain figure launched itself from a table and smashed against a desk. The figure had managed to travel a distance of more than 12 feet. It left a dent on the wood that was broadcast to the television audiences all around the New York metropolitan area. Yowza. So people got to see it. This is the first time in the history of the world that people were able to see supernatural events occurring huh because there, i couldn't find the broadcast which sucks right um but it was broadcast to, to, to people all over new york to uh, clarify they didn't they didn't get it on film this thing flying they did they got it on film it was broadcast <gasps> to television audiences wow. all over new york because there was film crews there at the time oh um, right yeah there's a lot of articles that that dub poppy as the first reality tv star oh i could see that yeah popper not poppy uh, right. Well, that was you know, that's, what, that's when you're a little closer to him. You, then you get to call him <laughs> Poppy. Um, on February 20th, events reach its highest violence. Uh. Another figurine was smashed against a desk. A bottle of ink popped its screw and then sailed into the air and splashed its contents all over the wall. A sugar bowl flew off the table under the watch of Detective Tozy. And it had been close to Jimmy, but not within his reach. Mm. Again, the, the, Jimmy? the shitty thing is that they never stop looking at Jimmy as a, as a suspect in all of this. Wouldn't it be funny if Jimmy really did do this? Kudos, Jimmy. Yeah, well done. Um, it had been a long month yeah. for the Hermans. They needed a break. So they spent the night with a relative while Tozy stayed in the house. The rest of the night passed without a single incident. Oh, Okay. When the family returned the next evening, the sugar bowl again flew. So it's something about the family. This time it shattered into pieces. Yeah. So when they're not there, Tozy's in the house by himself. 
nothing happens. Quiet night. How long before this all started did they move into this house? They, the house, I'm not sure when they moved okay. into the house, but the house, it, this is 1958. The house is built in 53. I think so, they're okay. new residents. I don't think they're new residents of the house. I think they move into the house as new. As new, so yeah. So they're only there a few years. Huh. On February 24th, Tozy was startled by the sound of a loud noise from Jimmy's room. Oh, no. No one had been in the room or near the room, yet a large bookcase had managed to fall face down on the floor. The next night, while Jimmy was in the room doing his homework, his record player lifted and moved 15 feet across the room. And an 18-inch statue of the Virgin Mary flew more than 12 feet across the room and struck a mirror frame in the master bedroom. A bookcase filled with encyclopedias was upended. A heavy glass centerpiece from the dining room table flew up and struck the cupboard, chipping away a piece of the molding before falling to the floor. A world globe shot down the hallway from Jimmy's room and just missed Detective Tozy. A newspaper photographer named John Gold from the London Evening News witnessed his flashbulbs lift off the table, fly through the air, strike a wall. In addition, Popper had begun knocking on the walls to continually get attention. The knocks became started off very weak and faint and started to become heavier and heavier, um, building and building to people started to, to basically yell for them to stop. We're closing out this episode with like the prayer to St. Michael, right? That's how this <laughs> one ends. So there's a bit of escalation. Things went from kind of innocent and annoying to straight up terrifying and violent. About this time, the staff of scientists at the the staff of scientists at the parapsychology laboratory at Duke University in North Carolina becomes interested in the events uh, that's been reported in the Herman home. After all, this has now become a nationwide news phenomenon at this point. Wow. A group of researchers under the leadership of Dr. J.B. Ryan had already compiled a mass of evidence that supported the idea that certain people under the right circumstances, could influence the behavior of objects without touching them. It's called psychokinesis. Dr. Ryan's assistant, Dr. J. Gaither Pratt, uh, traveled to New York and arrived at the Herman House on February 26th. Pratt believed that someone in the house was unknowingly causing the strange incidents to occur. Meanwhile, other researchers came to believe that the incidents in the house were being caused by an actual ghost, a poltergeist, or a nosy spirit. These prankster ghosts traditionally target religious items, as the disturbances had done with holy water and the statue of the Virgin Mary in the Herman House. On the other hand, strong evidence remained for the idea that there was a human component behind the haunting. It had been noted by the Duke researchers that an adolescent child, usually a girl, was almost always among the members of the household being plagued by poltergeist phenomena. Lucille. They believed it was a possibility that this young person might be capable of psychokinesis. During the height of puberty, in every case, however, the young person might be unaware that she was that she or he was unconsciously causing the events to happen, making them as bewildered as the adults around them. In the case of the Herman House, Jimmy, according to Detective Tozy's notes, was at or near the scene of the poltergeist disturbances more than 75 percent of the time. Mm. For many incidents, he was a sole witness. However, the detective had cleared the boy of deliberately causing any other disturbances. Important to note that they never took note at the whereabouts and the actions of Lucille. Come on! Literally, I spent a lot of last night <laughs> literally trying to figure out 
where she comes into play. And so many of these articles don't really mention her at all. That's so weird. So like many who came before him, Dr. Pratt was welcomed into the Herman residence and greeted warmly. He explained that he had come as an observer and spent most of the time there chatting with Jimmy, playing cards with him, helping him with his homework, and generally being around the young man. There was no sign of strangers during the visit. Popper, in fact, was absolutely quiet. Pratt then summoned another colleague from North Carolina, William G. Roll. Together, they interviewed the family members and were convinced that none of them were perpetrating a hoax. Pratt told a United Press reporter, quote, the family was much too shaken for it to be a colossal hoax. Hmm. Things were quiet for the next several days, as it appeared that Popper didn't want to perform for the scientists. Then, on March 2nd, one month after Popper first arrived, he decided to make himself known again. All the Hermans were in the house to witness what took place. First, a dish vaulted from a kitchen cabinet and shattered to the floor. Then, a night table flipped over in Jimmy's room. Two days later, on the 4th, a bowl of flowers slid down the dining room table and jumped into the air. Mm. A bookcase turned end over in the cellar. All this was leading up to the not-so-grand finale. Huh. On March 10th, while Mrs. Herman, Jimmy, and Lucille were getting ready for bed, James was way on business, Pratt and Rose suddenly heard the sounds, a loud sound, a popping in the cellar. As they heard the popping, they hurried downstairs to see what it was. They found a bleach bottle sitting in a cardboard box and had somehow lost its plastic lid. It popped off. Hmm. This would become the last act of the Herman family poltergeist. There had been a record of 67 recorded disturbances between February 3rd and March 10th. The Hermans had been visited by detectives, building inspectors, electricians, plumbers, parapsychologists, and a ton of quote-unquote experts and yet none of them had ever been able to present a satisfactory explanation for what had occurred in their home. Weeks after the household returned to normal, folks still came to investigate and theorize what had taken place. As late as August 1958, the scientists at Duke still had no clue of what had happened and why it had happened. By this time, the Hermans had had enough of the investigations and just wanted their lives to go back to normal. James Herman no longer cared why the disturbance had taken place. He was just happy that they were over. Mrs. Herman told the Associated Press reporter, quote, I don't think there is a definite solution. It was just one of those things with no rhyme or reason to it. But there was a definite physical force behind it. The family eventually moved away. Weird. Now, I know what's happening here. You've listened to this whole episode. And because you like this genre, you like horror, you like mystery, you're probably a movie buff as well. And a lot of it may sound a little vaguely familiar. Well, fans of the 1982 Hooper-directed and Spielberg-produced horror film Poltergeist um, is very recognizable as it took pieces from Herman's story. It was the actual basis of the cult classic. In the film, a young, happy family moves into a new suburban home with their children and quickly notices disturbances. Noises, bent utensils, objects moving all over the place. When the activity increases, they seek help from a local university's parapsychology department, who comes to investigate the house. Eventually, fed up with the lack of resolution and the disappearance of their daughter, they seek out a psychic who helps them cleanse the house. So obviously, Poltergeist is a much more sensationalized version of the actual Herman story. Um, There are physical apparitions. There are Native American burial grounds. There's body-chomping portals. There's skeletons popping out of the swimming pool. (laughs) 
literally none of this happened to the Herman. Right. Um, however, a fun fact about the movie Poltergeist and what could be an episode on its own, the film is set to be cursed. Oh. Stars Dominique Dunn and Heather O'Rourke both passed away very young, and other mysterious activities were reported on set. Mm. Years later, the daughter, Lucille, oh, appeared in a documentary called Real Fear, The Truth Behind the Movies. While chatting with HuffPost Weird News about the documentary, Lucille Herman said this, quote, I never saw a poltergeist. I felt I had my own nightmare. Hmm. And with that, the case closed on the Seaford poltergeist, Popper the poltergeist. There was no resolution. Popper never came back. We never found out what Popper wanted. It's so weird. Like just one month of, of one, mayhem. One month. To what end? I mean, a little over a month. It goes from February to, to March. That's so bizarre. And in, I, and in this case, when you sit and try to think of every theory, you kind of can't because they already did it for you. Right. I think everyone covered every single theory. Right. And sometimes things just can't be explained. Except no one tracked Lucille's movements. Yeah. I would have liked her in that documentary to address her whereabouts. <laughs> Where were you at 3.56 on the night of February? You know, I've heard a lot of... Um, podcasts and stories about kids with with, with telekinesis mm. um it's the basis for for the the book and the film carrie and the musical mm. carrie um and it's been reported in many times i'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get to an, uh, another telekinesis story when we when we get someplace i'm sure it happens someplace in new york but i i of all the theories i was very fascinated with that one i yeah. was very fascinated with it being surrounded um not with jimmy but with lucille as yeah. someone who has been very away from the story yeah, I think that's fascinating. I think that if, I mean, I know that Jimmy was close to the events most of the time, but I think it's fascinating. No one bothered to try, and they're the same age. So if you want to talk about like the height of puberty, like yeah. they're basically the same age. They're what, thirteen months apart or something ridiculous like that? You said they yeah. were twelve and thirteen. 12, Come 13. on, weird. It's also weird that like, if it is tied to psychokinesis in a young person that it was just a month long like were they was one of them having a growth spurt at the same time yeah i don't know weird yeah poppers in poppers out hate that yeah but you know because of popper we get the pol we get poltergeist the movie which actually i've never seen i've seen it once I probably would not do well you wouldn't being do honest. well no i wouldn't no that's the one that goes there. He nope, nope, that's done, that over. That's that one. Not doing it. That's that one. Hate that. Um, so there you have it, folks. Uh, make sure if you have some theories um, or you just want to chat with us about it, head on over to our social media. Follow us at NY Mystery Machine on Instagram, at NY Mysteries on Twitter, and at NY Mystery Machine on the Facebook. Lucille, if you remember exactly where you were and you want to send us a plot of like where you were different times during these incidents, feel free to. And um, the most important thing you guys can do, the most vital thing you can do to, to help um, this this brand new thriving podcast is to head on over to iTunes, drop us a five-star rating, and drop us a review. If you drop us a review each month, Christine and I will pick out uh, one random winner to get a prize from the New York Mystery Machine. And... Um, yeah, really excited about that. And coming out soon, we're gonna be we're gonna be launching our our very first uh, Patreon. Patreon. So with that, you'll be able to get some some bonus stories, some bonus features, um, 
and you know perhaps when the world opens up again some as it is opening up slowly um perhaps some some live events as well mm. really excited to get um to partner with some companies to partner with um some some new york institutions um to to continue these stories so thank you for for tuning in today guess what you guys we're back next week See you next week. We're back next week. Uh, I've been Adam Mace. I've been Christina Marinelli. Thanks for coming on board the New York Mystery Machine. Tammany Hall, Buffalo Ghosts. See you guys next week. <laughs>